Open up your Bibles to Jude before Revelation. Uh, We've been going through Jude on Wednesday nights, and uh, welcome back, by the way. All that snow we had to cancel on Sunday, that wasn't fun at all. So, um, yeah, I'm so excited when we come to church, I just, I love it. Um, So we looked at the introduction in verses 1 and 2 already, and the exhortation we looked at in verses 3 and 4 uh, we saw that Jude gave us, you know, five things uh, that he's just exhorting us about. And he also added uh, that there, he, he began, actually, let's slow down. He began to write about our common salvation that we have in Christ Jesus, right? Like a word of encouragement. This, this letter was going to be just all about, hey, let's talk about the goodness of the Lord, right? And how great he is and the salvation he's given to us. And, and, and right when he's writing, it's almost as if the Lord prompted him at that moment and changed up something. Something happened, or all of a sudden this, this entire uh, letter switched up big time. And now it became, became a letter of exhortation to the church to continue to contend for the faith that we have in Christ Jesus, right? Because there are those ungodly men, though they, they creep into the church, and, and they bring in all their, their wackiness, right? And so let's just, um, well, that's what we went over. And, and, and he encourages us to contend, and, and meaning for the sake of the word of God, right? Speaking of our salvation as well, they, these guys, they creep in and they, they, they give you some wacky doctrine that you can't be saved through. Uh, and we know that we're saved because of Jesus and who he says he is, that he is the son of God, right? And Jude's going to kind of mention that as well. Um, and John just did in First John, um, but the third section is in verses five all the way to verse sixteen in dealing with the illustrations. And today we're going to go over verses five through nine. I decided at the last minute we're just going to slow it down a little bit. I wanted to just jump in all night tonight and just you know let's dive into all of these, but it's nice to slow down. So let's just read. Um, you know, we already did verse 3 last week, but we'll, let's start at verse 3 for the sake of just going over the context here. It says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, there it is, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire." Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. 
Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beast, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam, for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Man, I feel like I just want to keep going, actually. Let's slow down right there. Let's go back. Today we're going to be dealing with four illustrations uh, that point to these certain men, these men that crept in unnoticed, and their final destination that we're going to talk about. But it speaks of their condemnation, right? Their their destruction. And Jude takes certain illustrations, these Old Testament Uh, examples, if you will, Um, and to point out that these certain men who creep into the church, these false teachers, these false prophets, these uh, deceivers, that they are marked out for destruction. And before we start, actually, I just want to take a little side note here. Um, We see Jude makes a statement in verse 5. Look look at verse 5 with me, and I think it's easy to overread these things. Uh, And it's so good to just slow down. It says in verse 5, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this. And and I I think this is a good thing to stop and look at. This little statement he makes is a reminder for each and every one of us here today. That In in fact, turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Jude wanted to remind him of the things that they already knew. And some people ask, you know, why, uh, you know, we, the Bible says things over and over and over. Or why do we study, uh, you know, so much? And why do we teach on the same thing sometimes, you know, over and over? Uh, really, it's to fill our hearts with his word. Uh, that's what we're here for, right? Because we leak. <laughs> we forget. It's like my children, right? All this week, I'm like, clean up clean up what are you doing clean up and they're like what what oh yeah okay right and it's like oh man right finish your food oh yeah okay it's it's you know it's like oh but I have to constantly remind them over and over and over and over again I think God allows this in our lives uh really to show us his heart right that that uh he reminds us over and over again why uh, are we reminded of these things because well it's the same reason we remind our, our children, right? We want to protect them. We want to guard them. We want to um, keep them safe, right, and, uh, and guarded. So that's the same thing with the Word of God. The Word of God reminds us about things we might already know, but there might be a whole lot of things in there you didn't know. So be open to whatever the Lord has. But look at Philippians chapter 3. It says, Finally, my brethren... Rejoice in the Lord, for to me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. And there it is. It's safe, right? There's safety in repetition, right? Like Pastor Dwight says, repetition, repetition, repetition. Uh, But this blesses my heart, right? As I'm studying through the word, um, I realize... Man, what a blessing it is to go back over the word of God, to hear it again. I understand the importance of that. And that's why we come to study, 
you know, tonight on Wednesday night or on Sunday, right? Or on, you know, we, we come to uh, men and women's prayer on Saturday because uh, we want to exhort each other. We want to keep filling our minds with the word. And that's a, it's, it's a blessing. It really is. But back to Jude. Um, let's start with these illustrations. So the first illustration is that of Israel, right? Look at verse five. He says, but I want to remind you Though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So those Israelites who came out of Egypt, who did not believe, ended up being destroyed and and didn't enter into the promised land. In fact, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. This would have been a a familiar... um, story or really or history to the Israelites the Jewish audience and they would have understood and known the whole history of Exodus um, and of the children of Israel you know they're out in the, uh, they're they're in bondage they're in slavery to the the Egyptians for over 400 years and yet God ends up leading according to Exodus 14 the children of Israel to a area of freedom right where they can just be at home and be at rest and uh, but during that time remember they were led by a pillar of cloud by day a pillar by uh, a fire by night and they saw amazing stuff happen before their eyes right Moses uh, is leading them the Egyptians are pursuing them and and here they come and they're they're trapped between all these mountains right and and it's like oh what are we going to do now and they're in a hopeless situation they're at that the red sea you guys you guys know the story um, but the children of Israel begin to complain, right? They begin to murmur and be bitter towards Moses. And like, why have you let us out here? Is it to, that, so we can all die? Is that why you let it, right? They're just blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, I love Moses. I love his, uh, his answer. He, Moses stands up in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, and he, he says to the people, do not be afraid, stand still. Actually, that's really, I just, we need to stop there a little bit, right? What is it? Um, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God, God says, right? I think, man, some of us need that today, right? Just stand still, right? Be still. Moses said that to the children of Israel. And he says, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll, you'll see them again Never again, forever, right? What a great promise that was. And just stand still, right? Allow God to work and allow God to move in your life. You just stand still, right? And the sea parted. They crossed over the land. The chariots of, of the Egyptians, right? They all got swallowed up, basically, and, and uh, they were destroyed. But according to Numbers chapter 13, God brought them to a place called Kadesh, and from Kadesh, God told Moses to send out the spies into the land. You go look at the land, right? So uh, Moses took one man from each tribe of the, te- of the 12 tribes, right? So 12 men. Uh, and they went in to go spy out the promised land, basically, right? And, and this was the land flowing with milk and honey, a beautiful place. But that promised land represents God's rest, basically, for his people, right? That, that represents a home, a place of peace, a place where, you know, that, that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a place of, ah, right? It's no more 
oppression on the people. It's a place where they could be free and dance and sing, right? Uh, But God desired to bring them into that promised land. And after 40 days of spying out the land, the 12 uh, uh, spies, they end up coming back. 10 spies end up bringing a bad report, right? A discouraging one. And they're like, Moses, you're not going to believe this. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's amazing. Uh, But there's a problem. There's a people stronger and mightier and taller than us, right? And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And and, uh, the descendants of Anakim, right? The giants are there. There's also the the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Mosquito Bites, the... (laughs) Gets you every time. Oh, I love that one. Uh, Probably there was Mosquito Bites, right? By the Nile River. But... Two spies, had they had a favorable report, right? Caleb and Joshua, they come back and, and uh, they, they said, you know, let's go into the land. Let's possess the land, right? They got that zeal and that encouragement, that excitement, because they know God is with them and God's going to do the conquering. God's going to do the work. Let's just go in and take it, right? That was kind of the, the mentality there. But because they didn't enter into God's rest, God's promised land, if you will, God destroyed them. Right, And the reason was because they didn't believe. They lacked faith in the Lord. And, and that's where Hebrews, if you're at Hebrews chapter 3, look at verse 12. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Not steadfast right now or steadfast two years ago. No, this is to the end, to the very end of your life. We continue to be steadfast, right? While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, uh, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief, right? And get the picture. God wanted to bring them into the promised land, into his rest, right? Uh, and abundant blessings, right? All like just overflowing, milk and honey, right? That's the, the idea there. But they couldn't enter his, into his rest. Why? Because of unbelief. And because they didn't believe, thus they didn't obey. Okay, catch that. God said, go into the land they didn't. Why? Because they didn't believe the Lord. And unbelief will always lead you to disobedience, right? And disobedience is always going to lead you to destruction. Keep that in mind. And that's why it's so scary that we don't walk by faith because it leads one place to another and we're done. It's a scary place. But as believers, we walk by faith, right? And But the illustration, it's simple. It's, the application is powerful. I love it. The truth of the matter is God wants to bring us into his rest, right? And into that promised land, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and on. Uh, you guys can read on your own. But we're to be diligent 
to enter into his rest. And how? By faith, right? By believing that God wants to bless us really more than we want to bless ourselves, right? That we ask God, whatever we ask the Lord, he wants to do way more than we even ask him to you. Right? Lord, would you just bless me with this much? <laughs> he wants way more than that, right? And this is how I get it. He, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, right? It's all the work of Christ in us. And the question is, do we really believe that God wants us to enter into his rest, to his promised land, right? Do we really believe that? If you truly believe that, there will be rest for your souls, and it will. But even through the trials and even through the struggles, right, that we go through, there's going to be rest, there's going to be peace in contrast to destruction, right? So anyways, turn back to Jude. Go back to Jude. The second illustration, it deals with angels, angels in verse 6 look at verse 6 it says and the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own habitation he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day now I got to tell you guys there's a lot of views as to what this verse is even talking about right and don't worry tonight you're going to get the correct view right yeah yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's right. Maybe, hopefully, I think you will. But there's there's four things I want to mention about angels. By the way, before just to slow it down and give you a little information to help you better understand this verse. Okay, uh, in verse six, and what what is it all talking about? The first thing about angels: understand they are created beings. They're created beings, according to Ezekiel twenty-eight, verse thirteen, verse fifteen. Psalm 148, verses 2 to 5. The Bible is very, very clear that they are created, right? And we don't know how many are created. The Bible talks about 10,000 upon 10,000 upon 10,000, right? It's like, whoa, how much is there? I have no clue, but there's a lot of them, right? And, and, uh, but we, we don't know when the angels were created. Nowhere in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, does it say anything about, you know, the angels were created at this moment. I did find a verse today, actually, a couple hours ago, uh, in Job that says, you know, God's asking the question, uh, and he says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? In Job 38, verse 4, and verse 7, it says, when the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. When did these angels shout for joy? Well, let's rewind. Before, when the Lord laid the earth's foundation. So were they created, you know, day four, five, six, seven, well, no, I, it, it's very clear right here before the earth's foundation. Very interesting. So there's a whole study for you. I'll leave it at that. But let's come to the next uh, thing about these angels is they are ministering spirits. Uh, they are created to minister to you and I as believers, right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, it says they are not are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So for every believer, there are, well, there's ministering spirits that are ministering angels, that's who they are, that are watching over us. They're coming alongside us. They're protecting us, if you will. And 
And I think we all have stories. Man, I had a story. When I was in uh, Bible college, one of my roommates lent me his car, uh, Honda Civic, right? And I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to go down to San Diego, right? And I'm going to go, you know, take a drive. So I'm on the, the, the 5 freeway, and I'm going south, but it's late at night. It's raining like crazy. So I turn on the windshield wipers, and there's no wipers in there. And I'm on the freeway, and I, don't, I can't see a thing, right? I roll down the window. I was like, oh, that's easy. I'll just put my head out, right? And, of course, it's stinging in my eyes, and I'm, I'm doing this while I'm driving on the freeway. And, and then I was like, oh, this is how I die, right? So I put on the music really loud, and I'm like, if I'm going to go down, I'm going down. I'm going to crank this thing, and I'm just, I'm driving. And it was like 10 minutes, right? It felt like five years. Actually, it was 10 years, it felt like. But I, I ended up, you know, I, I was driving, and then finally I, I started, I was waiting for the rain to cut. I didn't know if I should pull over, if I'm just stopping in the middle of the freeway, or I didn't know anything. It was horrible. But the hand of God was definitely on my life. I think there was a lot of angels in that, right? They were teaming up. Oh, oh here comes Josh. Let's all, guys, uh, we need all units come uh ASAP, right? <laughs> this guy, right? But uh, anyways, if you guys remember in Matthew chapter 3, right, after the baptism, Jesus went into the wilderness uh, for after, you know, 40 days of fasting and then Satan comes to tempt him. Um, and Matthew 4, 11, the devil left him. So right after he left him, then it says, uh, behold, angels came and ministered to him. So we do know angels minister, uh, they're ministering spirits, right? They all, they're always sent, uh, there's two that I know, that, but there's one actually um, that's sent out and usually for a message, right? And they have messages that they bring us and whatnot. Uh, but did you know, and this is the third thing about angels, that they are sinners? Yes, they are. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Turn with me to Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 4. It says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, there it is, boosh, right? But cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Apparently, some of these angels sinned, right? And, and these, this leads me to an interesting question. P- Peter clearly tells us that they sinned, but the question is, what was their sin? What was it? Right? I would mention two things about their sin. Uh, the first thing is they became prideful. They became prideful. In fact, turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14. Um, we have the story of Lucifer, right? The fall of Satan, if you will. And we have the, the, the story, but he was an anointed cherub of God. Uh, according to Ezekiel 28, he was a perfect angel. In fact, when it said that he was a perfect angel, it was in the garden of God, the garden of Eden, and which is, right? It means he was without sin during that time, which is very interesting. Um, but in Isaiah 14, look at verse 12. Here's the five, I call it the ay 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 of Satan, right? ay 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 uh, but dealing with the sin of pride, right? How, how you have fallen from heaven, 
O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will also sit on the mount of congregation uh, on the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. Yet, God says, I don't think so, right? (laughs) Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. So when Peter was talking about the angels that sinned, some think it was the sin of pride, right? Um, How Satan fell. In fact, in uh, Revelation 22, uh, or I'm sorry, 12, verse 4, uh, it's interesting enough that it says, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, right? So a third of the stars is interpreted as angels, right? If you keep reading it, it actually explains it. And so Satan took a third of the angels with him, which means two-thirds of the good angels, right? We got some good, we got a lot more that are great, good on our side. But why did it, why did, uh, he take them because of pride. It was because of pride. Pride is destructive. And I believe the first sin is pride, according to Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. Satan was perfect in the garden until pride entered his heart. And, and, and uh, he said, I will be like God, right? And it's interesting because today there's a lot of people that think they're high and they're their own God. They're, their own, they're in charge. They're, they're just... They actually think they can rule this world. They, they, in their brains, they, they're all that, right? They got it under control. And uh, you probably know some of those guys, right? Don't, don't do this to your husband, but just saying. They're, they're out there, right? Not our church, other churches, but um, it's just, it amazes me where I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But let, let's come to the, the second thing is, go back to Jude here, um, is they became carnal as well. Um, turn back to Genesis 6, actually. This is great. Don't you guys love the sound of flipping verses? You'll love it once you go to a church and you, nobody brings a Bible and you don't even hear the flipping, right? And then once you come to the church where you hear all that flipping, you're like, ah, I'm home. <laughs> it's, it's the best. Um, but Genesis 6, there's a parallel in Genesis 6 to Jude Verse 6, so very interesting, and we know that these fallen angels that went with Satan, they're probably these demonic spirits, and we know that these fallen angels can inhibit or possess people, and according to Mark chapter 1, verse 23, uh, there in Capernaum in the synagogue, Jesus encountered a demon-possessed man. In Mark chapter 5, uh, Jesus heals the man who had been possessed by many spirits called legion. And, and uh, so clearly these fallen angels can inhibit people. And the people can inhibit, uh, I'm sorry, the, 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 they can inhibit uh, non-believers, right? They can't come within a believer. I slow down on purpose because I want you to catch that, right? We cannot, as the church, the body of Christ cannot be possessed by Satan. Amen, church? 
Amen? Is that amazing? Uh, the Bible is very, very clear. In 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So Satan and his hosts can oppress us as believers, right? But they cannot possess us as believers. And some believe that these angels in Jude verse 6 actually... Uh, inhibited these bodies of men and these men went in and slept with these women and they became pregnant with them and uh, are you sure yes look look at Genesis chapter 6 look at verse 4 and for those of you who are lazy and don't want to flip to Genesis 6 there you go um, but it says there are there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And so the Lord what did he do? He brought uh, the flood upon this kind of people, right? In Genesis 6, 4, talk about the sons, uh, talking about the sons of God, uh, some believe it refers to angels because Job chapter 1, verse 6, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, uh, he refers to the sons of God as angels. So clearly this terminology is used in other places. So the thought is these fallen angels inhibited men uh, in men, and they laid with these women and had children who were demonic, the, the Nephilim, right? Um, these, these giants. And therefore the earth was flooded because of that. It was so corrupt and so just uh, disordered, right, a, a, away from the Lord, uh, that literally the hearts of man, their minds were continually, it would not stop. They, they loved evil and they stuck with it. And so, um, very, very interesting. Go back to Jude. Um, it, in Jude verse 7, it gives us an interesting insight that some, of, some use to prove that these angels cohabitated with men. Uh, in fact, uh, look at verse 7. It says, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll go back through verse 7 um, again, but it says, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So it could mean that these angels went after strange flesh. Strange means different, right? And there's two words for the word different. There's the uh, different of the same kind. And the other word for different is different of another kind, which is the word here. Uh, and the point is that destruction, guys, it's going to ultimately come, right? No matter what view you guys have, the type of sin that these people were in, that they were what they were doing, it grieves the heart of God, right? And it's, it's destructive. It, it, it tears that relationship that once was, that was so pure, that was so uh, perfect, right? It, sin corrupts that and messes it all up. It's devastating. Um, but let's go back to Jude here. The fourth thing about angels uh, is that they will be judged. They will be judged. Look at verse 6. It says in verse 6, 
And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own habitation or abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So will there be a great day of judgment? Yes, right? We know that. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, uh, makes it very clear. And apparently, whatever sin these angels committed, it was so bad that it grievous to God that he actually chained up these specific angels that committed that those acts with men, which the women were impregnated, um, that he chained them up in darkness until the day of judgment, right? And, and uh, that's where they are today. And how many are chained up? I have no clue, right? How, the Bible doesn't tell us all that information. But the point is, these men, back in Jude, in verse 4, who they creep in, right? They creep in. The, the, these are ungodly men. And remember, these are Old Testament illustrations, examples of their destruction, uh, of today, of the type of men that creep into the churches today that want to bring in their destructive doctrines. And, and, uh, but they, they're going to end up like these fallen angels. And I think the application is we too are going to be judged, by the way. Did you guys know that? We're going to be judged. We're, we're going to stand before the Lord. Whether in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, uh, the great white throne judgments uh, as for non-believers, or before the Bema seat of, of God, right, for the believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. But we need to live our life, guys, in, in light of just giving glory to the Lord, right, and giving him the honor. And the verses we already read that we continue on, that we pursue as believers, we don't just give up, right? As believers, we, we started well, and we're going to finish well. Why? Because he who began a good work in us, right? He's going to complete it. He's faithful to complete it until the end. And it's his work in us. Amen, church? It's not us trying to generate anything. We just hang out with him. We get to just abide in him. As you're reading, as you're praying every day, the Lord's going to use that to impact this world. That's how we do it. That's the secret. Don't tell anybody. I'm just joking. Tell everybody, right? It's, it's amazing what God can do in and through us. Um, but uh, let's come to the third illustration. And this is of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? In verse 7 and 8, it says in verse 7, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers, so speaking of these certain men, back to verse 4, um, they defile the flesh. So here he's using the example of Sodom and Gomorrah as those who will receive destruction or condemnation. And in fact, turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Um, God sent, you guys remember, uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah, right? I think we all understand that, so I'm, I'm not going to go over it as much. But he sent his two angels uh, to Abraham, and, uh, his tent, down into Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, they were, they were going to destroy you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, we just read in Jude, which tells us that they were destroyed, right, These, the cities. But it was because of sexual immorality. That was the reason why what it tells us here. Because they went after strange flesh, Second Peter chapter two verse six says it's because they lived ungodly lives, and so what was this sexual immorality? This going after strange flesh, uh, according to Genesis nineteen, 
And that's, you know, if you guys read about sex, uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, it's homosexuality, right? They wanted these two men who, these angels, these two angels, they look like men, uh, but they wanted to be with them sexually. And, and they were going to bang that door down, right? And you guys can read about that later. But let's look at Romans chapter 1. Look at verse, actually I want you to look at the whole chapter, but let's look at verse 20. It says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Romans 1.21, it says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie." And worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged their, the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to their parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteousness, or I'm sorry, yeah, the righteous uh, judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, and not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Wow, very, very interesting. Um, I read that because it's better to let the word explain itself, right? Uh, and it does a way better job. But the point is, going after strange flesh, ungodly living, right, their, their, their lives, um, well, it's always going to bring destruction, ultimately death, right? And so, very interesting. Let's come to the fourth illustration, and we'll just end with this one. Uh, it's Michael the Archangel. Look, look at verses 8 and 9. Um, it says, Reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the Archangel, in contending with the devil... When he disputed about the body of Moses, dare not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And here in verse 9, Jude brings up Michael the archangel, right? And nowhere else in the Bible, by the way, do we have any of this conversation about the body of Moses uh, when he died and where it, you know, it, apparently Satan wanted it. And, and then here's Michael and they're fighting over it. Um, but... 
we do know in Deuteronomy 34, Moses died on that mountain, Mount um, Nebo, and God, and God actually buried him. Where? I have no clue, right? But very interesting. Uh, but he's still there today. So Moses didn't enter into the promised land, obviously, because he stayed there. But prior to his burial, apparently there was this argument, this contention, if you will, dealing with the body of Moses between Michael the archangel and the devil. And Michael, according to verse 10, is what we call an archangel, right? Arc meaning or uh, rank, order, or power, or uh, authority. A high-ranking, powerful angel, we would say an angel. And an angel is a messenger, right? Um, so he was sent from God being a high-ranking angel. And again, so Michael is a warrior angel as well according to revelation uh, chapter 12 and the other angels who fought with him against the devil and his angels there was a war that broke out in heaven or will break out you can say Um, but so he's a warrior angel as well but the question is there's another angel in the bible can you guys guess who that is yes and yes i think i heard both answers actually Gabriel, right? In Luke uh, chapter 1, he's the one who brought the message about the birth of John the Baptist to um, Elizabeth and, wow, Zechariah, right? Um, I just read that last night with the kids too. It it leaks. (laughs) We need to stay in the word. (laughs) But yeah, Gabriel is the one who came and brought the message to Mary and Joseph as well. And uh, so obviously he's a high ranking, you know, spiritual angel leader here in the spiritual realm. But uh, the other angel is Lucifer, right? Michael, Gabriel, Lucifer. Um, So while others believe, this is what they believe, Lucifer, it was obviously seems to be a high ranking uh, angel. But some believe he's a musical angel, according to Ezekiel 28. God prepared the strings and the the timbrels. Did I say that right? Timbrels. Um, It's in my head. I don't know if I pronounced it right. But uh, yeah, for him, when he was created, right? And there was gems and all that that reflected God's light. But some believe that he was the highest ranking worship leader. Very interesting. But Michael and the devil were arguing about the body of Moses. But Michael understood something very, very important. And I, I, I love this. He wanted Jesus to be in the middle of him and the devil, right? Which is very interesting to me. He wasn't willing to contend with him directly, even though he was Michael the Archangel, right? Verse 9, the Lord rebuke you, he said. And as powerful and mighty a warrior of an angel Michael was, he understood the importance of turning everything over to the Lord, right? For help. And I think that's a wise thing to say, Lord, help, right? I love it when my one-year-old says, help! It's <laughs> the best. It's like, oh, I love it. But it's simple, it's a very practical thing, but it's, it's amazing to see, you know, these false teachers, you could turn on the TV, and you, it's, it's easy to spot these guys, but they, they, like, they have some type of power that's above Michael the Archangel, and they're just like, push, push. I could go on and on about, you guys know what I'm talking about, but um, I would be very careful. What, what a very unbiblical position. I know that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. I know that we have, uh, because of that, there's so much power in the name of Jesus. I, I understand all that. But if Michael, the warrior angel, right, the angel, he wanted to keep Jesus between him and the devil, I think there's some wisdom there, right, that we need to take key to. And how much more, right, today for the church we should be doing that. But 
We're to be trusting in the Lord. We're to be relying upon the Lord. And uh, Jude gives us these illustrations, guys, to understand that these men who creep into the church, their destination is destruction. But he's also going to say later on, even pulling them out of the fire, right? Having that discernment. Uh, and, and we ought to be very, very careful. We ought to pray for these people because, man, there, there, there ought to be some type of hope, right? Jesus came into this world. To, to, he died on the cross for the whole world, right? Which includes these type of people as well. So yes, there's doom and gloom for their destination, but these are people, right? These are the people that we're going to the grocery store with. We're, we get to see them, you know, driving by when we're on the road, but these are people we will never see again for the rest of all eternity. We'll never share in that friendship. We'll never have uh, any kind of communication with them, and it should break your heart, right? And so pray for these people. Pray for those around you. We're to be the light onto this world, and, and we are, as we allow Christ to do that work in and through us. So be encouraged, church. I know it seems get, gets really tough, uh, but, but there is a promise, right, at the end. And I love it at the end. You guys can read it at the end of Jude um, for fun, for your homework, but it's on to Christ, right? It's all about Jesus, and I love that. So let's just stand up and let's pray, and um, let's give the night to the Lord. Lord, thank you so much. Um, just speaking of your goodness, Lord, speaking of... Uh, the work that you did upon the cross, Lord, that you bled and died and you rose again the third day, Lord, that we can have life. And we responded to your call, Lord. We responded from a heart of brokenness, from a heart uh, that, that had to be humbled, Lord. And uh, we know that you, Lord, your heart goes out way more than our hearts go out for those that we love, for our family members. Um, but I pray, Lord, that you would continue to encourage our hearts, Lord, uh, to to continue to proclaim the gospel, Lord, to continue to um, allow ourselves in those conversations that we're probably uncomfortable with, Lord. We pray that you would grant us your grace, that you would grant us your Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak the words you want us to speak. Grant us discernment for the day that we live in, and uh, I pray that you would uh, just keep us, Lord, to the very end. And uh, we thank you for for your power, Lord, and your authority, uh, that you have in this whole world, Lord, that you know what you're going to do, and you've already done it. <laughs> so we thank you, Lord, that we're with you, and we pray that we would continue with you. In Jesus' name, amen. For him, when he was created, right, and there was gems and all that that reflected God's light, but some believe that he was the highest-ranking worship leader. Very interesting. But Michael and the devil were arguing about the body of Moses. But Michael understood something very, very important. And I, I, I love this. He wanted Jesus to be in the middle of him and the devil, right? Which is very interesting to me. He wasn't willing to contend with him directly, even though he was Michael the archangel, right? Verse 9, the Lord rebuke you, he said. And as powerful and mighty a warrior of an angel Michael was, he understood the importance of turning everything over to the Lord, right? For help. And I think that's a wise thing to say, Lord, help, right? I love it when my one-year-old says, help! It's <laughs> the best. It's like, oh, I love it. But it's simple, it's a very practical thing, but it's, it's amazing to see, you know, these false teachers, you could turn on the TV and you, it's, it's easy to spot these guys, but they, they, like, they have some type of power that's above Michael the Archangel and they're just like, whoosh, whoosh. 
I could go on and on about. You guys know what I'm talking about. But um, I would be very careful. What, what a very unbiblical position. I know that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. I know that we have, uh, because of that, there's so much power in the name of Jesus. I, I understand all that. But if Michael, the warrior angel, right, the angel, he wanted to keep Jesus between him and the devil, I think there's some wisdom there, right, that we need to take key to. And how much more, right, today for the church we should be doing that. But we're to be trusting in the Lord. We're to be relying upon the Lord. And uh, Jude gives us these illustrations, guys, to understand that these men who creep into the church, their destination is destruction. But he's also going to say later on, even pulling them out of the fire, right? Having that discernment. Uh, and, and we ought to be very, very careful. We ought to pray for these people because, man, there, there, there ought to be some type of hope, right? Jesus came into this world. To, to, he died on the cross for the whole world, Right, which includes these type of people as well. So yes, there's doom and gloom for their destination, but these are people, right? These are the people that we're going to the grocery store with. We, we get to see them, you know, driving by when we're on the road. But these are people we will never see again for the rest of all eternity. We'll never share in that friendship. We'll never have uh, any kind of communication with them. And it should break your heart, right? And so pray for these people. Pray for those around you. We're to be the light onto this world, and, and we are, as we allow Christ to do that work in and through us. So be encouraged, church. I know it seems get, gets really tough, uh, but, but there is a promise, right, at the end. And I love it at the end. You guys can read it at the end of Jude um, for fun, for your homework, but it's on to Christ, right? It's all about Jesus, and I love that. So why don't, let's just stand up and let's pray. And... Um, Let's give the night to the Lord. Lord, thank you so much. Um, Just speaking of your goodness, Lord, speaking of uh, the work that you did upon the cross, Lord, that you bled and died and you rose again the third day, Lord, that we can have life. And we responded to your call, Lord. We responded from a heart of brokenness, from a heart uh, that that had to be humbled, Lord. And uh, we know that you... Lord, your heart goes out way more than our hearts go out for those that we love, for our family members. Um, but I pray, Lord, that you would continue to encourage our hearts, Lord, uh, to, to continue to proclaim the gospel, Lord, to continue to um, allow ourselves in those conversations that we're probably uncomfortable with, Lord. We pray that you would grant us your grace, that you would grant us your Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak the words you want us to speak. Grant us discernment for the day that we live in, and I pray that you would uh, just keep us, Lord, to the very end, and uh, we thank you for for your power, Lord, and your authority uh, that you have in this whole world, Lord, that you know what you're going to do, and you've already done it. (laughs) So we thank you, Lord, that we're with you, and we pray that we would continue with you. In Jesus' name, amen.